Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, and today we will be unlocking your leadership superpowers because we have Cindy Mitchell with us. She's a speaker, a coach, and an expert at helping leaders and their teams unlock their potential for success and fulfillment. Cindy Mitchell is with Strategic Solutions HQ, and Cindy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Debbie. It's great to be with you and and share some leadership stories and learn from you as well, Debbie. Well, I'll tell you, as leaders, we learn from each other, don't we? Absolutely. We, We spend our time, most of the time, learning and practicing and then hopefully developing other leaders in our lives. Amen. Yes. So thank you for being here. Thank you. So, Cindy, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started developing leaders, speaking, and coaching people. Well, uh, I was very young when I first ran for office. Uh, I ran at the ripe age of 24 years old, and I ran countywide in Denton County for county clerk. And I wasn't exactly sure at that point in time what the county clerk did, but I knew that I would do a better job than the clerk that was previously serving. <laughs> I had worked in commissioner's court, was very familiar with the county operations, the budget. I worked for the top leaders of the county, and I really had good role models in government. Um, so when I won, I figured I probably needed a little help. And so I was tasked with a large organization and a large team, and I reached out to uh, someone who I heard speak on leadership, and he was phenomenal. And he happened to be a leadership coach as well. And so he took me and my team under his wing, and really, after a while working with him, I would go to these conferences that the clerks would have throughout the state, and I often found that government doesn't focus a lot on growing leaders. They focus a lot on building technical experts. And that's great because most people rise up through the ranks and they know that they know their job, they know it inside and out, but they often are lacking some soft skills, um, emotional intelligence, uh, really self-awareness so that they can become much more effective leading organizations, leading teams, dealing with customer service issues, because that, as the leader of the office, that's what I had to deal with. What an opportunity at such a young age to be able to gain such exposure, to have such a huge personal win, and then to to have the insight that you actually needed to be developed as a leader, because you were thrust into such a leadership role. Yeah, and and I think mostly what I've discovered over the last 20 years is that most people really aren't self-aware. That's true. I worked with a a congressman who was in his 70s, Debbie, and he, he didn't understand what it was. He hated fundraising. But if you're running for Congress... (laughs) <laughs> to so define self-aware for us. So that's a that's a 
fantastic statement that you made because I agree most people are not self-aware define that well most people know what they like and they know what they don't like but most of us take very little time to reflect on what gives us energy and what depletes our energy and you know that extrovert introvert is really about your energy levels and when you at the end of the day or at the end of the week you feel exhausted and you don't know what you've accomplished you've been doing things that take away your energy and you're just not aware hmm these are probably not my strengths these are probably not what I'm naturally adept at and so that's why it's so depleting it wears you down it does you're not doing what's natural what's comfortable but you may have to do it because that's the role you're in but not understanding how it's depleting you or how to refill that that depletion can be a challenge it can be Uh, the use of assessment tools is something as a leadership developer a grower of other leaders is something that i find that's super important in helping unlock those superpowers so give us an example of assessment tools okay well we use uh, extended disc which is a behavioral profile it's not a personality test which i think is an important distinction uh, one of the easiest differences to tell is if you can answer the question the way you think you should answer it It's probably more of a personality test. Uh, When you have a difficulty understanding the nuances between word pairs that most describe you and least describe you, the test is much more uh, scientifically based on your conscious and unconscious behavior. So it shouldn't be so easy. Take the test and it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's my husband. That's my coworker. Or, Or, you know, I should be that. Like, you know, after the worst day, do I throw my coffee mug or kick my you know purse across the floor (laughs) i know people don't say that anymore (laughs) right or or do i you know find my zen pose and count to 10 backwards well yes i'll pick that because yeah that's that's not me that's not me i do that after i've thrown my coffee mug at my dog (laughs) there you go (laughs) right so you know the assessment tool brings a level that it like i said when it's when it's much more of a behavioral based Um, Strength finders is another one that's easily accessible. Uh, You know, they're they're much more based on science and both come up with your natural talents, what you're naturally good at. Uh, They don't take into account things like our experiences, our knowledge that we've learned. Um, So again, they're just tools, but they are great tools at showing you your blind spots as a leader. I like that because we can't see our blind spots, but if we use tools to help show where we're blind, where our weaknesses are, our strengths are, and uh, you know, I've, I've taken the disc analysis before and it seems like sometimes during different periods of your career or, or your, your leadership development that you may shift in what you tend to score higher on in these disc analysis. Tell us a little bit about that when you're being stretched or challenged as a leader. Yes, absolutely. With with extended disc, it, it definitely profiles your conscious behaviors with your unconscious behaviors. And there may be times in your career, uh, a new position where you're in the learning phase or you have a lot of fears that your conscious behavior adjusts 
So it will show actually an arrow on your profile that says, this is the way you're acting, but you're still over here and you're still really this person. Uh, there are shifts throughout a career. We find with strength finders, uh, in your top 10, they may move around a bit because of what's important or what you're able to spend your time doing. Uh, major life changes, though, can drastically change a person's behavioral profile. Interesting. So the loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, uh, can take someone who was analytically motivated, uh, all about the facts, all about business, and send them to flip-flops on a beach. Sure, because where you're at in your life or in your career could affect really where you become to be comfortable yes. in, in the roles that you're in. I mean, I, I think about my office manager, which she scores very high on the C side of the disc analysis, and she is stretched because she has a role. She's filling my shoes because I'm an absentee owner. And, you know, I'm the influencer and bubbly and I hug everybody. And, and she's not a touchy-feely person, but she stretches herself. And she knows that she has to stretch herself. And she has to extend her hand and greet people warmly when they come into the office. When her natural inclination is just to continue working or to, you know, not even get sidetracked whereas me every sparkly thing that goes by I take a look at it and I'm commenting on it but she's kind of stretched in her role and she goes out of her way to be the people person that she doesn't come naturally so I'm sure that adds stress to her in her role it probably she does an amazing job that's great <laughs> I'm so proud it, of her yeah it, it probably does take a little extra energy and effort and that's the wonderful thing about these tools if you really understand that they're just a tool, that it's not a judgment or a pigeonhole, then you really do have a lot of flexibility and freedom to learn and grow because it's not about what you can or can't do. It's about what's most easily natural for you to do. You know, I'm glad you said that. It doesn't, you're not necessarily going to be pigeonholed. You don't have to be defined by these particular bents that we have naturally, but it helps you understand where you're going to be stretched or where you're going to have to try harder or get some leadership development training. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I just started blending strength finders with DISC and it's, it's been really interesting to see how strengths show up differently with different uh, behavioral styles. So someone who has a high value or a high natural talent in relator, which is a strength about relationship building, but you can be a relator and a high C because they like deep, meaningful relationships. So they have a smaller circle, whereas someone with woo would be a surprise as a C because they're trying to win everybody over. They're, they're the you and the me, the influencer, the work in the room, the, you know, those are your wooers. And so adding that has added another level of interest and really excitement and understanding for people. Well, I definitely want to explore more because I like the positive way that sounds when it comes to dwelling on your strengths instead of really thinking about how maybe we're stretched or we have weaknesses. And after the break, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more about your approach to developing leaders. So stay right with us. We will be right back with Cindy Mitchell. It was an early morning 
yesterday. I was if you're enjoying this episode of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, give us a rating on iTunes I really today. Have enjoyed my stay, but I must be moving on. Number one source for premium talk radio. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. We're asking folks about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Basketball. Surfing. You have to be a team sport. A lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds. You really think about the ripple effect. It's like a wave. (laughs) Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org and message from the Catholic Church. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. And we are back, and we are talking about leadership today. We have Cindy Mitchell with Strategic Solutions HQ. She is an expert at helping leaders unlock their potential for success and fulfillment. And today we're talking about leadership superpowers And thanks so much for being uh, with us in the next segment, Cindy. Looking forward to exploring some more leadership discussion topics. Now, we kind of ended the first segment talking about strengths finders and some of the leadership tools. And I was wondering, what is your approach to developing leaders? What do you do? Well, I really look at leadership development, Debbie, as a three-pronged approach. So obviously we've spoken heavily on assessments and the tools that are available because self-awareness is so very important. Uh, There's also a a portion of that that needs to go along with learning. So classes, um, workshops, uh, focusing on reading articles, but just that, that learning segment of development just like school, just like as growing up, we l- go through learning and um, and that's really part of our development and growth. And people think that leadership is natural or, that, oh, they're a natural born leader, but it sounds like it's something that's developed. I definitely believe that every person has the potential to be a wildly successful leader. And it doesn't matter if you're a natural communicator It doesn't matter if you're a natural brainiac who has all the information and data in your head. Every person has the potential to be wildly successful as a leader. It's about learning your strengths, operating within them, and fully growing and developing areas that impact others. Some of it has to do with learning emotional intelligence and learning empathy. Those are things that can be learned, that they can be practiced, and they can be developed, and they can be learned. I think a lot of people mistake 
poor communication skills for a lack of emotional intelligence. I was going to say, tell us a little bit about that emotional intelligence. This has nothing to do with somebody's IQ. No, it's their EQ, as a matter of fact. Um, interestingly, in, in preparing for this interview today, I went back and listened to some of your previous segments. And there was one in which a gentleman had uh, come into your, you were working with him on a project, he'd come into your acquaintance, and very on, early on in the conversation was asking you what you felt like were some pretty inappropriate, personal, too close to my space questions uh, for having just met, very political in nature. And throughout the day, you, you warmed up to him and you two were able to work together really well. And I believe that's a lack of emotional intelligence on his part to understand um, how I view me in relationship with how I view you and others is kind of what creates this emotional intelligence, the very boundaries that, that guide most people. That was such an excellent observation because, you know, I wondered what on earth drove this person who's clearly old enough to know better. He's definitely a professional in his field. And I kept thinking, why did he think that that was appropriate? Why would all those topics be right there on the tip of his tongue with a brand new acquaintance and you nailed it. It's emotional intelligence. He was lacking that. Right. When your view of yourself is greater than your view or your concept of how you relate with others, then you tend to be aggressive. Uh, road rage is a great example, right? Uh, nobody on the road has anywhere as important to be as I do. Uh, no one's as good of a driver as I am. Get out of my way. And Everyone's an idiot. That's right. <laughs> and it results in aggressive behavior. On the flip side of that, people who, oh, no, no, you ask your question. Go ahead. It's more important than mine. You know, maybe you've seen that at a, a meeting or a chamber function or, or somebody said, well, no, you order first. You're, you're, you're hungrier than I am. Go, you go first. That results in passive behavior. Oftentimes, um, people speak and uh, in, in ask questions when they should be making statements um, that's because their view of others is greater than their sense of their self. So it's not just, wow, they're very gracious. They actually are dealing with an emotional intelligence issue in that they're not seeing themselves as equal or worthy or, or whatever is going on there. Typically, that's the case, and it results in that passive behavior, um, especially over time when you practice that for very long you really do get into the habit of putting everyone else before you. I was going to say, that sounds like something that becomes a habit. And I know those are some habits I've had to work on is, you know, and I see this a lot in women that oftentimes women will delegate in a scenario or in an acquaintance or a situation, they'll, they'll delegate that passive behavior to themselves and then let someone else lead when they should be leading the conversation or the situation. Right. I call it abdicating their yes. responsibility. Yes, they're abdicating. They, they just give up their own power. Um, so the combination, when you can balance your sense of yourself and your view of how you relate with the rest of the world, how important everyone else is, it results in assertive behavior where I can understand that 
we're both ordering lunch and we're both ordering it now. I can easily let you order first, but if the waiter happens to look at me, I can just place my order and move on. Um, if, if we're in a project scenario on a team, I don't have to give up asserting my opinion on the next best step. I can just offer my opinion and be respectful of everyone else around me. That's a great point. It's assertiveness, not aggressiveness. When it's out of whack, when, when there's something wrong, it looks like aggression when there's something right and you're really healthy emotionally in that in that space, then you're going to be assertive. You're not going to be aggressive. Exactly. To be heard. Right. You have to assert confidently. And you when you really do have a healthy view of everyone else's importance and value, uh, it, it does come across as confident assertiveness. Right. And it's less about being perceived as obnoxious when you're assertive versus aggressive because then others will see you as just a leader or confident versus, wow, what an obnoxious person he is or she is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think the learning aspect of leadership is is very, very important because there's so much. And, and don't you, I mean, you've met so many professionals, CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, and think, wow, they probably could stand to go back to Leadership 101 and take some of these classes because we never arrive. Exactly. Well, and I never really thought about how to put them in a box, but, but it's, it's easier to understand someone when you realize they are not self-aware. They have no idea they're coming across as aggressive or rude. They're just trying to state their point. So it, you know, it really does help put it into perspective that oftentimes people just aren't even aware of how they're coming across. And, and so you take the uh, leadership learning piece, and if you put that person who has no self-awareness into a communication class, how effective do you think that is? They're thinking everybody else needs this really bad. Oh, that, that person <laughs> speaking, yeah. they're talking to him. Exactly. They're talking to her. Yeah. They're not talking to me. Excellent point. That's why I think the assessment piece, the self-awareness piece uh, is so important for people to understand. First, let me learn about me. Let me learn about styles. Let me learn how people behave so that I have a much better understanding and appreciation for diversity. You know, that's that, that awareness piece. Using those tools is what really gives you, I think, a healthy respect for uh, understanding diversity and really embracing people that are different than me. I don't need everyone to think like me, talk like me, sound like me, and look like me. In fact, that's not good. Exactly. When we surround ourselves with yes people or people who think like us, we're not going to be creative. We're not going to be challenged. And we're going to have kind of an inbred perspective in our organization. So we need people who are different, but then the communication comes into play and then there's problems or challenges yes and oddly that you say that because that's the most beautiful illustration and yet statistics say most people hire people just like them exactly you know I learned a long time ago that I don't want on my nonprofit I don't want to surround myself with board members that think like me agree with everything I say otherwise I, I knew my nonprofit would be dysfunctional I wanted board members that were different, different in communication styles, different in strengths and weaknesses, 
and who would not be yes people. I, I wanted board members that were different in every way and would bring different perspectives. And I think that's how we get challenged as individuals. Absolutely. And, and when we really learn to embrace that and welcome that, it makes you much more productive, much more successful. Um, the more engaged you are, the more creative you are, the statistics are there, the more productive and profitable you and, and your course, organization. If you're confident and you're not you know, worried that people will challenge your ideas, then you can listen to what others say and think even when they don't agree with you. And then you're going to expand, you're going to grow, you're going to reap the benefits of their knowledge or their expertise. Absolutely. And, and why wouldn't you want that? So talk a little bit about the assessment tools, because I find that interesting, especially for the person who is not self-aware. You stick them into a communication class, and half the people in the class know why the class is there. It's for them. <laughs> so how do these tools help that person? Before we go to a break, What, how does that work? Well, uh, you know, the third prong to this is the coaching piece. And really, um, it, it really allows kind of that fully development uh, coaching slash mentoring. Uh, because you're right, if, if they lack self-awareness and maybe they're not really open to it because they're driven by fear, uh, the coaching helps bridge that gap. For Got most it. people. Helps them focus on their strengths. It's not all about their weaknesses, but it's about where they can shine and where they can excel and grow. So I, I, I love this topic because it really does help individuals unlock their leadership superpowers because everyone, like you said, is a leader. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, and we need to fine-tune those if we're open. We need to become more self-aware. And uh, after the break, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about leaders and how do we know when we're stuck as a leader. So stay right, right with us. We will be right back. If you're enjoying this episode of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, give us a rating on iTunes today. But I must be moving on. Everyone hates a dirty house, but who wants to spend Saturdays cleaning? There's the vacuuming, the dusting, the mopping floors, scrubbing the toilets, cleaning the showers, and who even has the time to clean the ceiling fans or wash the baseboards? And if the kids have a game, well, there goes the weekend. That's why I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service. I love my busy life and my clean home. Hi, I'm Sam Jackson. Cancer will strike more than 175,000 kids worldwide this year alone. This includes infants, children, teens, and young adults. The likelihood that teens and young adults will survive cancer is far greater when treated by pediatric oncologists. Survival can depend on treatment from experts in childhood cancer and a commitment to collaborative groundbreaking research. To learn more, go to stbaldrix.org or standuptocancer.org. You're listening to RMCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Is a friend. And we are back. Today we are unlocking your leadership superpowers with Cindy Mitchell of Strategic Solutions HQ. 
And we are just learning so much about leadership and emotional intelligence. And when we left right before the break, we started to talk a little bit about leaders and how, as leaders, we can get stuck. And so, Cindy, thank you so much for staying over with us after the last segment. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about leaders and how do we know when we're stuck and what do we do? Well, I have two interesting, funny stories that I'd like to share about being stuck because there's certain levels of being stuck. Uh, There is what you call steak and ale stuck. A gentleman walks into the I remember that restaurant, steak and ale stuck. Right? He he walked into, on accident, he walked into the ladies' room and realized very shortly after entering that he was in the women's room and women were now entering the, the restroom and he was stuck. He had to ask for help he knew he was stuck oh my (laughs) and had to mention hey ladies uh, is it safe for me to exit i've clearly accidentally entered the wrong restroom they were very gracious helped him out (laughs) Um, then there's what we call san juan stuck and i don't know if you've ever been to the old san juan the mission and the fortress over there in puerto rico but it's it's absolutely beautiful and there's all kinds of walkways and doors and little hidden rooms and so same gentleman dear friend of mine i love telling stories on him on other people that's right (laughs) um well i usually (laughs) share most of my mistakes so it's kind of fun to talk about steak and ale and san juan stuck (laughs) um but he was he actually got locked in one of the areas where he was not supposed to be and stayed several hours Oh, dear. And he was wandering around these beautiful areas of ruins, not knowing he was unable to get out. Uh, he was actually in. He was stuck. He was <laughs> stuck. Um, and, and not quite as aware until, you know, a few hours passed and there were people looking for him. And, and anyway, so there are levels of being stuck. And I was glad that you referenced that and, and noticed that because not everybody's San Juan stuck. Sometimes we're just. Uh, how it looks in our daily professional lives. It may be communicating to a teammate or an employee or a customer, as a matter of fact, where you're saying something that they're not getting. And so you say it again, and they don't get it. Uh, Sometimes you do not speak each other's language. And I've dealt with people where it just seemed like nothing I said came out right, nothing they said came out right and we were like fire and ice and so we were stuck absolutely had no idea how to get unstuck and and you know what you don't know can actually destroy you in relationships in business in customers customer service Uh, so that self-awareness piece and learning like the disc model for example those behaviors you and I um, may be very alike and we may not have uh, an ability to communicate very well because we're so alike. Uh, we could be very different and opposite and have a different because I'm speaking about the people aspect of the team and you're speaking about the project and the numbers and the facts. Um, but definitely, uh, it, you know, really what brought me to an executive coach was a relationship that I had with a, a fellow elected official. And we had to work together. We had to work together well. Uh, It was our jobs, it was our responsibilities, it was our roles. And uh, 
I, I tried and I tried to uh, make my point and when I couldn't, I knew I was stuck because the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different outcome. I wasn't getting a different outcome. In fact, I was exacerbating the situation and making it worse. And so I reached out for help and learned a lot, learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about other styles, uh, bringing that emotional intelligence piece into it. And what can I do differently now? You know, that's the whole point of leadership development and learning. If you don't do something differently next week than you did last week after attending one of my classes or workshops, I didn't do my job. Right. And, you know, y you bring something up that's a really good point. And I think when you're stuck and you're in the moment and you're having these struggles, especially with an individual, you are not on the same planet emotionally. You're not on the same planet in communication and you are stuck, I think it's sometimes hard to see it. And you end up doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, when if you were able to step back outside of that situation, you could have nailed it. So what does a leader do when they are stuck and they realize they're stuck? What can they actually do? Well, the first thing you have to do is diffuse your emotion. You have to... Um, and, and, and usually it, it requires help. Um, find a trusted colleague or a spouse or a, just a friend that you can explain this situation to and, and really get to where the disconnect is. And someone who's not necessarily on your side, someone who's able to be objective. Absolutely. To not look at it from your point of view. Right. Maybe that is a spouse or maybe it isn't a spouse. That's right. Right. <laughs> That's right. But whoever you, who had a trusted advisor, um, it, or a coach, you know, those, that's the reason we have those objective people in our lives who are able to say, hey, Cindy, next time, quit yelling at him. Maybe that's what he <laughs> wants. Maybe that's the negative attention that he makes him happy because he seems to be doing it more often. Interesting. Ah. There, there are millions of personal examples in our personal life, and I think those are so easy to see. Um, and yet we fail to apply it, the same principles that are so obvious to us at home to at us at work. And I don't understand because we're at work more working hours than we're at home. The example I use in my class on this is uh, my son, Preston, is uh, extremely smart, but he is not neat at all. And his room needs to be cleaned. And so I say, Preston, hey, clean your room today. All right doesn't happen the next day hey Preston will you clean your room today doesn't happen of course I asked a question and he's thinking eh, no I won't. no I think not yep <laughs> right so uh, you continue to say the same thing and the only thing that happens is I get more frustrated now I'm the nag mom and you know, he gets more frustrated that's right and nothing changes exactly because in his mind he needs a picture and the, the one thing that you use the, uh, the uh, objective person for, Debbie, I think the most important thing is perspective and accountability. In the scenario with my son to get him to clean his room, I needed to draw a picture of what a clean room looks like to me 
because oftentimes we say that to our child and what do they say i did it already is clean you're like to him it's like i don't get what she's having a problem about right and so i make it i make the statement okay preston here's what i mean by cleaning your room today i want it done before midnight or before five o'clock or before you know the by when is the accountability mechanism so define it for him and here's what it's going to look like there aren't going to be clothes on the floor aren't going to be clothes on the bed they're either going to be hung in the hamper or in a drawer and there will be no dishes or water bottles in your room perfect he was able to do that and meet expectations it and i think wow how many employees have i hurt a relationship with because I communicated the way I wanted to or the way I need to communicate and not the way they needed to communicate. That is such a great point. And obviously you can apply that principle in your marriage, in the work environment, with your employees, with your boss, because we all hear things differently. He heard clean your room, but he he didn't really process as to what that looks like until you said, well, this is what it looks like by this time frame. I mean, it's such a great example of now help us understand how would we apply that in the workplace? Well, I think, you know, anytime to recognize when you're stuck, you're spinning your wheels. <laughs> you could be, you know, stuck in the mud and you're spinning your wheels, you know, oh, wow, eventually you stop doing that because the hole's getting deeper. Right. You're going nowhere. It's getting worse. That's the same way to identify when you're stuck in a business situation. Either you have, you know, constant turnover with employees that constantly leave. You have to evaluate. You have to be able to stop the bleeding and really focus in. You know, it's not all about them when it's happened time and time and time again and you're the common denominator. That is such a perfect example. That's one of the things I talk to cleaning business owners around the country who struggle with severe employee turnover. They can't keep a good worker. They can't find a good worker. And I ask them to look at it from a bird's eye view. What is the one common denominator here? And generally they think, well, it's you know, this employee's car broke down, so she had to quit. This employee's spouse left her, so she had to quit and move away. And this employee lost her babysitter. And, th- and I said, what's the one common do- denominator here? They all don't want to work for you. They are voting that the job isn't worth it. They're, it's not all external factors. There's something going on inside the company. Now, maybe it's not the way the owner treats them, which is why they think everything is okay. It could be the pay is the problem. It could be the chaos that's going on within the company, and they like you too much to tell you. So they make up all these excuses like, my car broke down, I have to quit. But when everyone is quitting and no one is staying two years, 24 months, whether it's a dozen employees or a hundred employees, the common denominator is that's a job that nobody wants to stay at. Nobody wants to build a career on. So maybe it's time to look internally instead of doing the same thing over and over again. It's such a great example. It really is the only way if, if you don't have those people around you, you know, it, it's the only way to, to stop and make a change. And when they say, you know, b- people can't be changed, well, I believe if you want to change, you can definitely make new habits, learn new things, put into practice new principles that you've learned, uh, behaviors 
you know, that that's all of this leadership development is about observable behavior. And absolutely, you can obtain skills, knowledge and experience outside of your natural strengths and your natural talents and demonstrate different observable behaviors so that um, what the world sees is an improved you. There's so much to be learned from from what you're saying. There's so many things that leaders need to learn and apply in their organizations. And like you said, we're all leaders. So whether you're someone's employee, someone's manager, or you're the owner of the company, these are skills that we all need to possess. We need to fine tune. We need to refine. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you've refined those skills over the years and what we can do to help each other refine those skills. It was an early morning yesterday I was up before the dawn Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and, and really on the web at debbysardone.com But I must be moving on You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. In small towns and big cities around the world, Habitat for Humanity volunteers gather. Hammers are raised, bricks are laid, and another family finds shelter in a home they help build. Habitat volunteers are changing lives for the better, and in the process, maybe even their own as well. Support the work in your community or wherever your heart leads you. Volunteer, get involved, and help build it. Visit us at Habitat.org. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. And we are back with Cindy Mitchell. She owns Strategic Solutions HQ, and today we are unlocking your leadership superpowers. It's been a really great discussion, Cindy. So valuable and so helpful. Entrepreneurs all over the country... Uh, business owners, employees, managers, everyone needs these skills. And we've been talking a lot about how to help each other and how to develop our staff and the people that work for us or work with us. And oftentimes I have heard this from individuals who will think that, you know, all these communication skills and assessment tools and all of this psychobabble about emotional uh, dysfunction or emotional, um, what is it? Emotional Intel, intelligence. Yeah. That's right. That <laughs> it's a bunch of psychobabble or it's just a bunch of fluff. What do you say to that? Because I know you've built your career and your life around helping people in this area. What do you say to people that think it's fluff? Well, actually, uh, Gallup, the Gallup organization who does Gallup polling and, you know, a huge, uh, empire of research and data, They've actually done several studies, and they've been studying this for longer than three decades, longer than my business career, for sure. And it's actually a business strategy. So 
an employee who is operating in their strengths and is recognized for that. Now, that doesn't mean everybody just gets to do what they want to do, but they, they feel heard. They feel connected to at work. They are doing stuff that they are naturally good at. That employee is six times more engaged than the average employee. And I will tell you that in this country, we are operating with a workforce that overall is 32% engaged. Wow. 32%. And I believe that. And businesses are suffering because of it. Think about health care. 32% of nurses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, scary. Yeah. Um, teachers. 32%. So obviously there are certain careers where there's more engagement. But that's the national average. People are short-handed, short-staffed all over the country. They can't find people to engage with who will stay, who are happy. What you're saying affects a business's bottom line. Absolutely. They are engaged employees uh, operating in their strength zone are 7.8% more productive. I know that sounds, well, it's not even 10%. Oh, I'd love it. I would love people to be more productive. 37 minutes a person a day. Wow, that adds up. You know, the average team is 13 people. The additional 37 minutes per person per day in one five-day work week is the equivalent of adding an additional employee. That's expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. Just engaging your people that you already have, learning about them, identifying their strengths, matching them with roles and responsibilities that they're naturally inclined to be good at, listening to them, communicating with them, and you've got the equivalent at the end of a week of having an additional employee. And coming from the public sector, we were always asked to do more with less. Absolutely. Always. And had I known that, 37 minutes across the board would be like having almost eight, I think, at the end of my career. I had that many employees. That would have been like eight additional workers. Exactly. You know, I I think this is so important because statistics mean something, especially to business owners and people that are more analytical and they're driven by numbers. And they think all of this stuff is just touchy, feel-good stuff. And it's, yes, there's some touchy feel good about it because we want our employees to feel good about their work experience and their work environment, but it computes to dollars and cents. It computes to numbers. It really does. Uh, The increased productivity has a a sister number of 8.9% more profitable. Now you're speaking my language. Companies, (laughs) right? Companies that engage their employees, truly engage them, 8.9% more profitable. That affects your bottom line. It does. People don't calculate the cost of replacing employees who are not engaged, who don't care, who aren't producing, who are miserable. Absolutely. And then what it does to the morale of the other employees, either to have a position that's constantly open, that you're constantly trying to fill, you know, that, that puts a lot of stress on the rest of the team because now they're having to pitch in and handle, you know, Jane or Jim's job. Uh, they get discouraged and they also wonder well gee wonder what's wrong with me for staying right if everybody's turning over right Um, it's very costly to onboard hire uh, recruit and 
it's a lot easier. I can't tell you how many uh, courses I've facilitated over the last several years where the, uh, the participants have said, man, I wish my boss had to hear this. Oh, wow. And I yeah. think you, we lose sight of maybe what we know and what is our heart versus what we demonstrate because we're all busy. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. But are you productive? Right. You know, it's, it's one of those things that we think, oh, well, I'm too busy to take a class or I'm too busy to take this assessment or I'm too busy to let my staff attend a training or a workshop. I'm too busy growing my business to stop and deal with this. Right. Yeah. But how much faster would your business grow if you watered and, you know, take cultivated, took, cultivated, mm -hmm. took care of the people that you do have, you could be exponentially better, bigger, more productive, not just busier, more profitable. And, you know, you, you calculate a real tangible number in terms of profitability and productivity. And the number that people don't even think about is the number that is calculated by lost opportunity. Because we didn't have that opportunity, we don't really know what that number is. But when, in a, like a maid service industry, when the cleaning industry loses staff and there's high turnover and they can't hang on to good workers, they can't get them engaged, they're not even calculating all the jobs they turned down, all the customers they had to delay starting, and that's thousands and thousands of dollars in lost revenue because they didn't have enough workers or because the workers weren't ready, weren't trained, didn't stay around long enough. There's a real dollar factor there. Absolutely. And, and I believe that, you know, especially in the industry um, of maid service, uh, you know, I mean, that person is your ambassador. <laughs> They are truly the face of your company, typically. That is who all of our customers interact with. They hardly ever talk to the office unless there's a change or a problem. They're dealing with that employee out in the field. Right. And is that employee equipped to fully represent you on a community? Do they understand different communication styles? Do they understand how you know people are motivated? Do they understand... Uh, when someone says this, they're not criticizing or critiquing. They're maybe just offering genuine feedback. Um, it really, I mean, you really have to invest in your front line, the people who are the face or the voice of your company, because without them, you're sunk. And again, that, that's a blind spot in a business. Um, you know, we talked about self-awareness early on. But really, it's about understanding your team because rarely is one person the problem. You know, that's such a great point because in the service industry, oftentimes leaders will develop the administrative staff. They will uh, develop the CEOs and the presidents and the office manager, but they rarely will develop the service technicians. And I was just on a webinar this afternoon before the interview where I talked about don't forget developing the people in the field. It will develop them personally. It will develop them professionally. And this is such a great point that when they're in the field and, and nobody's applying these skills to their lives, then your business is hindered by it. Well, y you're right. And, and I'm glad you've made that point because 
we hear so much about millennials and what they want and what millennials need and what millennials want that it's interesting to me that the one thing most bosses are bad at is giving feedback and yet millennials crave feedback and development and so you know this is a real gap for most industries right now with us entering this is this generational is this a generational gap well it's certainly i think more they're they're definitely the uh, generation that wants more feedback than probably some of the other generations Um, but i don't know that there's been a generation that's been great at giving good constructive feedback i I believe that (laughs) and so I, i think the development piece is going to be even more as we experience more millennials into the workforce this is going to be an area that most business owners need to understand they're going to have to focus in this manner otherwise they're going to uh, be dealing with a generation that all they want is development and feedback, and they're willing to change jobs all the time. Right. They don't care about that. They but really want to be developed personally and professionally. Absolutely. And so, I mean, all of the things that we've talked about, the uh, assessments, the tools that are available, the uh, coaching, you know, coaching is a constant feedback conversation. It's with someone that's objective who cares about your development. You uh, should never be finished with a coach. You may transition to different coaches and different levels in your business or in your, your life. You should never be finished with a coach. Absolutely. And ask any professional athlete. They have private coaches that they employ outside of the team coaches because they want to make sure that I'm the star running back. I'm not getting bad information from this guy. I'm going to pay somebody else to be harder on me and to be more honest with me than I think our team coaches are willing to be. You know, that's a great point. People think, oh, the Michael Jordans of our world or or the Jordan Spieth, the golfer, you know, that, oh, well, they've hit the pinnacle of success, so they're done learning. And those people are the ones who keep the coach in their life and keep having other people, you know, stretch them and challenge them. Absolutely. And, and so I, I loved your point. Um, everybody needs a coach and, and we should never be done with them. Not just because I am, because I actually right. still use mine. So. I do too. <laughs> I do business coaching and, and consulting and I always have a coach in my life because Absolutely. I am not done learning. I don't want to be done learning and I know it will grow and expand me. And I, I love listening to all that you have to offer when it comes to leadership training and development. And I know just being around you, I will be stretched and expanded as a leader. And we all need to have people in our lives like you. So thank you so much. Cindy Mitchell of Strategic Solutions HQ. If you want to learn more about what Cindy has to offer, you can visit her Facebook page and you can go to Cindy Bowen, B-O-W-E-N, Mitchell. Cindy Bowen Mitchell on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much for being on our show today. That was fantastic. Thank you.